0: Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash ifanboy today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H E L P.com slash ifanboy. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com/slash AI forall. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week number 891, brought to you by iFanboy listeners like y'all. <laughs>
1: I know I'd go from rags to riches If you would only say you care And though my pocket
0: may be empty I'd be a millionaire My name's Josh Flanagan, and this is my co-host. How have you been, Connor Kilpatrick? I'm back. Yeah, that's good, because... You know, I mean, this probably isn't the place to do it, but I'm fucking sick of working with amateurs. (laughs) It is so disheartening to come on the show, and you're here, you're ready, you've prepared, you've done the work, and you know what? You get nothing. I was going to say, Ryan is
1: getting way too comfortable in my chair (sighs) two weeks in a row. He had his feet up on my desk, his stuff was all over my desk, he had his snacks in my drawers.
0: Terrible snacks.
1: His snacks are weird. It's all like figs and, and... Yeah. You can't trust a man with snacks like that. Yeah. He had beets somewhere. It was all... <laughs> I don't want this beet. I threw it in the garbage. So, I'm back. Yeah, that's fair. Slightly sick,
0: but okay. Because when you have seven people in one house, a cold is bound to happen. That's also what happens is you find out when people start being polite and things... It's true. Start getting real. It's true. This is Pick of the Week number 891. We've done 890 of these. This is the 891st. Every week, one of us picks the book they like best from their stack of comics. We call that the pick of the Week. We will talk about that comic book. We will talk about other comic books. There is a patron pick, which is a comic book. We will answer listener mail if we have time. There's usually about comic books. I prepared no discussion points about comic books, only movie stills. Well, I mean, that's the the wave of the future. Sure, the money is. Yeah, but tell you what, the comic people aren't unionized, so they're still making them. That's true. That's true. There's a spoiler warning for spoilers Mm -hmm. that are involved in comic books. Those are plot points and bits that you may not want to know had you not read them, just in case you are curious. Final page twists. Now, my friend, you said to me fairly late in the game, listen, pal, I got no clear pick here, but yet here we are. The pick is The Enfield Gang
1: Massacre Number 1 from Image Comics. It is a spinoff of That Texas Blood, one of our favorite series. I fair to say you and I, both of our top five series. Yeah. yeah. Written by Chris Condon, Jacob Phillips is on the art, and artist is by Pip Martin. It's the same team from That Texas Blood. First of all, I keep wanting to call it the Infield County Massacre, just because okay. that's there's so many Old West names like that. Second of all, great cover. We talked about covers a few episodes ago and how lame they'd become. This one's great. Mm-hmm. This one looks like an old pulp cowboy
0: novel. Looks like Elmer Leonard could have written it. We should probably like highlight the fact that, like, there are no good covers, but we always like the ones that are retro and old timey. <laughs> so maybe we should probably exempt those. Are we the problem?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, the next comic we're going to talk about also had a great cover. We said back then we were going to start mentioning when the covers were yeah, good. It, no,
0: it's true. It, it, it was, was a, a great cover. comic
1: because it told you exactly what it was. Yes. You know, like, I knew exactly what to expect. You know, we're setting up things here. It starts off. In Oklahoma in 1906, it's traveling Wild West show, which was something that happened a lot in that period of time, the post-Old Wild West time, which didn't stop in the, you know, when the clock turned to 1900, it didn't stop. There was still basically a Wild West for about another 20 years at that point. But the peak era is like post-Civil War, like late 1880s is the time people think of as the Wild West. And so this is about 20 years later. And we have this show where there's old retired Indian chiefs and old gunslingers putting on a show and corpses toting around the body, the mummified body of one something infield.
0: What is his name? Jacob infield. No, uh, you were going to ask me a question. I was, w- I was letting you his talk. Name was I Enfield. His last name. Yeah, it is head of the gang. He was the head of the gang
1: at a famous infield gang massacre. And then we cut back to the past when he's a young man, robbing banks and causing mayhem. And, First of all, understand, Josh and I are already in the bag for this book. We're in the bag for this book because we love that Texas Blood. We're in the bag for this book because we love westerns. We're in the bag for this book because we enjoy any kind of n- genre storytelling that doesn't involve aliens, monsters, the zombies. Gorillas,
0: zombies. Right, there's no super gorillas witches. in this book.
1: At least not yet. Fantasy. And so we were already gonna predisposed to be really excited um, for this. And it, it, it lived up to its excitement level. The, one of my favorite bits is page six, when the guy has robbed the bank for the third time that month. And the bank owner's all pissed. He tries to hire him to be security instead of robbing him. And then there's a great three-panel page where he's, he's like, you're outlawed. Days are numbered. And he's like, see you next month. And he goes, Tarnation. It was just yep. a great pacing of this joke. And Tarnation made me laugh and laugh. And then great low angle shot of the horses running towards us with the guns firing in the air. I know artists hate drawing horses, but Jacob Phillips draws them really well. Jacob Phillips draws really well. Yeah. Which is the
0: thing that we can get to. Specifically, those two pages about the bank robbery Mm -hmm. was, it was great because it reminded me of the Warner Brothers cartoons. You know, when like the dog and the cat or whatever check in. Right, you know, and they fight oh. and they chase each other all the time, and then at the end of the day, they, they check, check out. out and they're like, "See yeah. you later, George." They punch because out, yeah. the, like the bank guy isn't really scared. Nah, he's talking shit to him. He's just like, "Can we? Do we have to keep doing this?" Right, you right. know, and and it was kind of delightful in its in its simplicity in that way. I just remember, like, I, the whole time I was just I was like is this really what this is? Because if it is, it's wonderful. <laughs> like <laughs> well, I was waiting for the twist that they often think that they need to impress me. Right. We know that they, they don't need to do that with that Texas blood. We kept
1: waiting for it. And there was that one storyline that sort of edged towards supernatural with that cult, but never went into the supernatural. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I was pretty confident just knowing these guys that this was not going to do that because this is taking place in the world of Texas blood it takes place in the County of that Texas blood in 1875 in Texas. So I I was pretty confident this was not going to go that way when I was reading it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I went through the whole thing and one of the thoughts that I was having is that Jacob Phillips is... If you told me this was Sean Phillips, I would say, yeah. And at a certain level, you have to think, boy, should he draw just like his dad?
1: Right. John Romitas Jr. doesn't draw like his dad.
0: Right. But really, like... If you're going to do it, Sean Phillips is a master. He's a master. He's one of the best, most consistent storytellers. And he's able to do the thing where you draw real people without costumes and you can still tell the difference between them. Right. There's a bit here in the beginning where they show the corpse of Enfield and you flip the page and you see a close up, which is great comic book storytelling, of Enfield. And somebody yells Enfield just in case you weren't clear. Montgomery Enfield. And then I went back. And I looked at the face of the corpse and I was like, okay, there's the cheekbone on the left side. Yep. Yeah, that's the same. Oh, there's a scar there. There's a scar there. I mean, great stuff. Very good. It's very good art. And then you get to like the town meeting. I have a little Ugh. trouble with that. But I went back and forth trying to make sure I could tell who was who. That probably could have used an establishing shot or two. But overall, like if you look at the figures and their faces and the posture, combined with what is just excellent but probably extremely fake dialogue but i don't care it doesn't matter
1: exactly like it's like watching the new uh, magnificent 7 with Denzel. it's like it doesn't matter
0: it's cool yeah 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 yeah
1: yeah well like when in that meeting when you know they're all arguing because crime's out of control the infield gangs running right the town the newly appointed sheriff of the county is pretty ineffectual there's a retired texas ranger who they all want to take over <laughs> and the, the, the design of the texas Rangers like you immediately know who this guy is yeah right it's got that slim uh uh raylan
0: givens kind of
1: We've watched enough of these sh- movies and TV shows. Like he's got the handlebar mustache. It's all mm-hmm. white because he's old, but he's, well, he still looks formidable. As soon as they said,
0: Texas Ranger, I was like, well, here's your guy. <laughs> so like, I know that.
1: And then of course a body stumbles in, he's been shot and he's like, Oh, there's been a murder. And they go and the bank manager who he just met before has not been only been murdered, but he's been like disemboweled. Yeah. And so that leads to, of course, the infield gang must've done this even though they've never done anything like this before. And they're just going to go and kill them all. And what was really interesting, I thought, was, so at the end of the issue, there's a fake article, which is something that Condon's done a lot in the, That Texas Blood. This is from like a Texas Monthly Style magazine. And it's about the Enfield Gang massacre and, you know, separating fact from fiction. I read it and I was like, this really gives away a lot of what's about to
0: happen. I kind of skimmed it. I just wanted to know if it was based on something real. and I was No, like, it's not, it's not.
1: And so this, there's a guy, John Mabry, who's showcased in the article, who has briefly one line and one panel in the issue. Mm-hmm. And according to the article, he's the real bad guy. So it was just interesting that they told the story, and then they went in, in this other, not well, not medium, but kind of, and then told you more about the story that it presumably will be revealed later on. But it was just, it was what I wanted it to be. Yeah. It was really what I wanted it to be.
0: I finished it, I think this was the last book I read. For no reason, because I had known it was going to be the patron pick. I think that I just, I was looking forward to it. And Spoilers. so I wanted, to, I wanted to make sure that, beat me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Also, if you'd l- read the show notes. That's right. <laughs> and I wanted to make sure I, like there's a part where I'm reading comics and I'm just flying through them, you know, <laughs> and I've, I've got to get them done or whatever. And sometimes there's a book where I was like, I don't want that. I want to read it. And so right. I made sure that I had time to do that. You want to luxuriate in it. And as I, well, it's just, I went, I want to be able to think about it as opposed. Sometimes I, I skip through things, you know, not on purpose, but I just a little on autopilot. And I, I, but I also always prepare myself to be disappointed because if something looks and seems too good to be true, then I don't Mm -hmm. want to be disappointed. So I sort of slow roll. Little
1: Josh can't get his heart broke again.
0: (sighs) Well, yeah.
1: Uh, (laughs) You guys
0: don't want me to quit, right? This is why we do this. (laughs) I don't want you to quit. I can't do this by myself. Anyway, you kind of. Ryan's already stop. on my shit list. Don't fucking get me started again. Do you know what he? You know what? That's not the place. He had beats, beats, Josh. <laughs> anyway, point is, like, I I got to the end of it, and through the whole thing, my happiness for it kept going up because I was like, this is exactly what I want it to be, yes. and it's delivering. And the other thing I kept thinking was, I was like, Chris Condon hasn't been around that long. But he's clearly getting better. And I'm not he saying about that, that about, in
1: his uh, in his essay, because there's the yes. article and then there's the essay. He says, you know, we're basically new here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He talked in a way that to me felt very transparent and very sincere. And I, I liked that. Yeah, I, it just it delivered. And I was it was really it was really edifying, I think, in that way. It was also
1: slightly oversized. And, and that was a theme this week where I felt like every book I read was just either
0: slightly or very oversized. It's so weird. They're all like, we got to cut the pages down. All right, we're going to have a little, like, everything, (laughs) extra pages. Well, the next one is
1: The Amazing Spider-Man 925 or 31. This was a 80-page issue or so. It's hard to tell digitally. I almost warned you. First of all, another great cover. Incredible internal framing with all the guns in a circle around the main characters. Dialogue balloons on the cover. Special wedding issue plus more heart and surprises than you can handle. I loved everything about this cover. It's great. I just looked at the annual instead by
0: accident, so I'm with you. Now, I thought about this one as the pick of the week,
1: because so I really it's did like it cover. overall, but some of the things I didn't love about the main story, and then I thought the backup stories, which was half the comic, were really hit and miss. So at the end of the day, I was like, oh, there's too many negatives that piled into this one.
0: I finished the like the main story, and I thought, oh, Okay, that's good. I'm good yeah, here. Yeah, it was good. And then you flip it and Nick Lowe is writing the essay, which fucking essay. That's what's that's by the way. That's how Stanley got his start, by the way. Yeah. Like that's what he did. He had to fill in the text Stan's page. Soapbox. Well, no, no, no. He would like he wrote like the weird short story. He wrote a oh, right, American the short story, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he do, just he'd do whatever to fill it in. And that's what this is. This is that version of that. Instead of Stan's soapbox in the middle, they just like just write another page of text somewhere. Right. The author doesn't want to do it because you don't want to pay him. So the editor does it because it's on the house. It said, oh, there's more. And I was like, oh, crap. And I, you know, I, I look and I was like, 86 pages. But I kind of didn't mind. I, I read through the stories. I, I don't think I, I love them, but I, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I, I didn't mind
1: good. the length. And I only thought about half the stories were fun and, and half were kind of annoying, but we'll get mm-hmm. to that. So the main story is the wedding of Peter's best buddy, Robbie Robertson, to his fiancee, the daughter of Tombstone. Mm-hmm. That's who it is, right? Is it Tombstone? Yep, yep, yep. yep. I love a wedding. I love a comic wedding. You know, something's going to go wrong. That's the hallmark of a comic wedding.
0: I loved that it was ridiculous, in that, like, he invited all the other bad guys. I was like, oh, that's ridiculous. This isn't going to end well. Let's do it.
1: Yeah. And I, that stuff was all great. Now, what I didn't love was two things the two breakups. So, number one, they have Peter and Felicia break up for no apparent reason whatsoever. At the bachelorette party, some, you know, it's all the supervillains because the daughter's a supervillain. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, you've got a good guy. He must be constantly trying to, you know, stop you from being bad. And she goes, no, he, he actually he hasn't tried to do that. You must be trying to corrupt him. Well, no, actually, I haven't been trying to do that either. And so then they break up. I was like, wait, you've been a superhero. You've been basically fighting with the Avengers. You've been yeah. teaming up with Mary Jane to have adventures in hell. Like, you're not the Felicia from 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. This makes sense for that Felicia, the current Felicia. This came out of nowhere. It just, yes. it just seemed like an excuse to break them up again. And it's was just like, break them up, fine. At least give me a valid and believable reason for them to break up.
0: Yeah, but at the same time, like, sure. Whatever. Get, like, like, get her off the table. I'm, I'm happy with, to break them up. I'm just it. saying,
1: give me a reason. To, you want you them want to work The reason harder. they broke up, they chose to break them up, made no sense within the context of the characters who've been written mm-hmm. for the last couple of years. And oh. then the main couple break up at the end of the wedding when it all goes badly. And I couldn't figure out why that was at all.
0: Well, they didn't really break up, but they definitely alluded to it. Where, like, he's like, "We gotta go," and he looks over at her, and I thought that was kind of lame because the right. whole—it's not like they didn't know what was going on. The implication is, you know, I'm
1: not ready to get involved in this whole supervillain mess, you know. No. But it's not like he didn't know she was a supervillain. Like they should have thought this of that before, right?
0: Yeah. And, however, I, 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 I did those two that.
1: things apart. I thought the wedding was super fun. I love the the two wedding parties. His regular side and her side was all super villains. How they mesh together.
0: And then Peter being the usher and like, they don't know who he is, but he knows who they are and that sort of fun bit. And then
1: there's an interesting twist with Tombstone who gets shot by this guy who crashed the wedding and and Mm -hmm. Tombstone who was bulletproof is now bleeding. So like, there's a lot of fun, interesting things happening here. Good Spider-Man action.
0: I really like the first scene where he's like, you all have to go to the wedding. And I was like, "Why would you do that?" And he's like, "Because if you're not there, I'm going to be suspicious." And I was like, sure, that makes a lot of sense." Listen, they were all at Don Corleone's daughter's wedding. It's true, you had to do that because you had to show respect, you know. But there's that sort of ever looming threat all the time. The White Rabbit character, she's great. She's <laughs> such a wild card. Like it's ridiculous. She's basically Harley Quinn. I know, but no, actually, I'm not,
1: not criticism. I'm saying that's her character.
0: Yeah, but she she's got sort of a different deal going on, and I like how she bounces off the other characters. Like she's a threat. But you don't really know why. Right. You know, like she's, she's like, they are, she has power. They are intimidated by her. Why? I don't know. Like she wears the hat, the ears. Okay, fine. All
1: right. Let's look at the backup. So
0: yeah. The Peter
1: Kamala one I liked. Bit of an explanation. Kamala, 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 Kamala. Kamala. Damn it. Damn you, Mrs. Vice President. You screwed you, it up you for everybody. You got be careful. I really liked the joke about the X-Men, how they kept using the logo. He's like, stop uh-huh. saying like that. Right. I thought that was fun. I liked the whole sequence. He reveals his identity to her. She freaks out because she knew him. Like, I thought that was a good story. Who drew that one? I don't know who drew it, but it was very good. It was. Doc Ock at the Bar with No Name. Eh. Eh, it was fine. It was just three pages. He's going to go I back to Spider Man. Great. Really, really hate making Mary Jane a superhero. And so the yeah. third story was all about the fallout from their adventure where her kids, her fake kids got Zapped back or disappeared. They weren't real in the first place. They, they want a Maximoft There's a growing space between her and her husband
0: or boyfriend or whatever they are. You know what's worse than Mary Jane as a superhero? What? Sad Mary Jane in her apartment with this dude who we don't care about. Right. I think they forget sometimes that she's a supermodel slash internationally famous actress. Yeah. Well, she's what you need her to be for the story. Boy, they, re- they really took liberties with Black Cat's hair here. <laughs> And her age. So
1: Black Hat gives her a superhero costume and she's now called jackpot, and I think it's terrible. I really do. Whatever. I don't want Lois Lane to be a superhero, and I don't want Mary Jane to be a superhero. Right. It's okay to not be a superhero. Like there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> it's something that the CW shows fell into the trap of after they got through like six or seven seasons. It was like, no, well, let's just give everybody superpowers. It's like, well, <laughs> uh, what what? Like, it's okay. It's it's okay that that, ever, that the supporting characters are supporting characters. It's okay that they are not superheroes, too. I don't need Mary Jane running around being a superhero. All
0: right, moving along here, we Spider got... Spider-Woman
1: at the bar with no name fighting Taskmaster. You can talk about this one. Yeah. They seem to have done away with her kid.
0: Yeah, yeah. The kid disappeared, whatever. Well, she's like, we find out why she's so angry. I honestly don't remember if that happened before or when or what. Well, we didn't read these
1: books. This happened in that spider verse thing we didn't read yeah
0: well regardless you know i was like why is she acting like this she's just like where's my kid i was like awesome i buy that she's a good time lady but she's a you know mother and she, she's got an anger streak i liked a great taskmaster Yep. like he looked like the taskmaster he was, was supposed great to. great costume he, he's one of those you know uh multi-tools like he can be what you need him to be in the story and so what he was in this was good i didn't understand the other one about the animal things at all. And didn't really pay <laughs> well, attention. Most
1: of these stories were leading into another book. Mm-hmm. Like the Spider-Woman story was leading to Spider-Woman number one. Right. And then this animal story was leading into Spider-Boy number one, character I don't know anything or care about, so I didn't care about that story. right? Now, I tended to enjoy more of the other ones. Like the next one, The Case of Perry Thomas, which was just a short story. Lovely. About a guy obsessed with getting rescued by superheroes. I thought that was really fun. The art was totally. nice. I thought it really worked. I think I skipped that double-page cartoony yep. one. Yep. I think I skipped the Craven one. I skipped the Craven one, ironically, which is tying into the next issue of Spider-Man. <laughs> but I did skip well, it. Well, he sleeps with the Red Goblin lady from that other story who I don't quite I got the gist just, just reading the art. I didn't read the, yep. the dialogue. And then there was a there was a post-credits oh, was Spider-Man about Rain. that Spider-Man Reign story I never read in the first place. I think I did. Care Andrews is terrific.
0: Care Andrews is a complete genius, but he can swing one way or the other sometimes, so... I don't remember that being great. That was a At long first time. I got really
1: confused because there was a reference to Kingpin earlier in the issue. Yes. And I was like, whoa, you guys... Kingpin is, is with the X-Men. He's the new yeah, yeah. white king. Like, he can't be here. Wait, He didn't show up. But then he shows up here and I was like, oh no, they really fucked up the continuity and then I realized, oh no, it's out of continuity. It doesn't matter. So
0: this is going to be a Bush League question. Mm-hmm. And we may have talked about it recently, but is he supposed to be a mutant? Kingpin, no. Well, how does he get to be the... He's the
1: husband of a mutant. That counts? Listen, all the rules are out the window. They got attacked. You were there. It's it's all ad hoc. You should have to convert. That's all I'm saying. I think to obtain the title of White King, you should be a mutant. But listen, no one asked me. Danger Street, book eight, also a great cover.
0: Yeah. Three good covers in a row. I'm interested that you put this on here. It
1: was my favorite
0: issue. Okay.
1: Of this series. Because I feel like I've got a handle on the characters now, even if, much like Love Everlasting, I'm not sure what the overall deal is. However, we got the origin story of the kids who are all, like, Mm supervillains. They got this wish granted to them when they were young. And then the other kids who didn't get the wish turned into these monsters who we see on the cover who have been in the issue. I really liked the date between Lady Cop and a Creeper, the date that Mm -hmm. wasn't a date. But it was a date. Yeah, I thought the stuff with Warlord and Starman was good. Like, I just thought everything character-wise was terrific, even though we're now at issue 8 of 12, and I'm like, I still don't know what's going on, although I'm looking forward to this sword fight confrontation between Codename Assassin and Manhunter.
0: I think that the thing I I would say about this is that I think it is... I think almost every scene is pretty good. Yeah. And pretty interesting. I think the dialogue is a little... But... Tying it all together, like it's all seems very far apart, even within their own stories. So, you know, we're however many issues I don't I don't know who this warlock dude is. Is it Warlock or no? War, Warlord. Warlord? Warlord. He
1: was a Mike Grell character in the eighties.
0: Yeah, no, I know, but I don't so I don't really know him at all. I know yeah. I know Michael, the star man from, from Starman. Right. You know, I'm getting an idea. I think the kids are funny with their nicknames and grapes and whatnot right it's a little bit of a stretch but i'm, I'm actually really cool with that you know the mm-hmm. sort of the utter and complete confidence they have and and disrespect for authority is <laughs> is really wonderful like it, it's just like they are right. full, They do not give a fuck about anybody or anything there's two sets of kids in this right and they're right. both precocious but in different ways yeah it's fun wildcats you love you some wildcats I, I try to quit you, baby, but I can't. Every I just, I'm reading either. Wildcats and, and 10 issues in, and I've, I've pretty much, I you know what? No, I was going to say I have a handle on what's going on. I have no idea, really. Like, there's the factors of who everybody is isn't super clear. Like, they don't use the words Damonites and, and care of them very much. And I don't, there's a bunch of characters here who I don't really know from the Wildcats I've read, I recognize the images and the drawings Mm -hmm. and things like that. But what I think I decided through this issue is that it doesn't matter. Mm. And what this is to my mind is a modernized interpretation of what those nineties comics were like, which was wall to wall action two people see each other they fight then they stay enemies or they don't and then they fight right. some more there's a thousand things going on and that's what it looks and feels like you've got steven segovia and tom Derenek. i couldn't tell you who did what i know there's pages that look different from other pages but they look exactly like they're supposed to right there's these constant fights everybody does have their own personality and some of them i know and some i don't you know i know grifter i know maxine manchester i know zealot i know what's her name the Pris, I think is her name the I can't think of their I know their real name sometimes anyway and the one who was Psylocke yeah the, the, the one tattoos? who was the, stri, the stripper Tripper, yeah. yeah and you know the, the Batman's in this and there's actually like a scene where Batman and Arsenal or is she speedy now and some other character some female who would be a feet oh it's oh it's just it's a mockingbird not mockingbird black canary oh, every time Kamala 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 Khan vice president of the United States I knew it wasn't right when I said it but it's the exact same character not really Eh. the whole time I'm grasping at what is going on and I'm like I feel like and I could be I can be making a stretch here I feel like it's on purpose Mm -hmm. and I think also uh, I had mentioned to you earlier, like Matt Rosenberg he's too good to he's not lost here like if you're confused it's either your fault or on purpose.
1: Right. And he loves, he must really love the characters. Oh, sure. Yeah, he must really love that stuff. The He's style. R-H, that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, it totally does. And I like the dialogue in here is fantastic. It treads this line between being really snappy and modern, but also being a little comic book goofy. I think mm-hmm. that is totally perfect. And so after I spent a little time wondering like, is this any good? I was like, I don't care. Like it is experiential more than it is, narrative there's constant like oh wait who's he with i thought he was with us and he's not you're fighting and now i'm in your body fuck it just let it go let it roll Mm. his bright colors and it's ridiculous and dc superheroes in there fine whatever i don't care how does batman feel about grifter that's interesting let's find out how does grifter feel about batman
1: i've been been trying to make that
0: a thing for so long yeah but but whatever maybe nobody else can make this work but i think that rosenberg uh, you know, and it, it, part of it, like I'm a fan. So it's not hard to trust him or just like at least I know what it is. Sure. Yeah.
1: You know, sometimes a book gets optioned to Netflix and they make a cartoon out of it. And so they make more books. And this week we had Mech Cadets, number one from Boom Studios by Greg Pak and Takishi Miyazawa, the team behind Mech Cadet U a book we loved or at least Ron and I did when it came I out I don't remember it yeah it was, it was a
0: while back did they create the thing that became the show it in fact premiered this week on Netflix oh but it's the it's, it's Greg Parks show yeah that's the based of his comic that's cool i wasn't sure if he just did the adaptation but that's good
1: no no the book was original it was years and years and years ago hmm. and so this is now you know capitalizing on that calling it mech cadets which i believe was is the name of the show as well it's basically the same as the first time around it's a bunch of kids who are psychically and emotionally, and I'm, I'm trying to remember because it was a long time ago, and they didn't really help you here. <laughs> like, there was no <laughs> recap. This was like, we hope you remember what happened eight years ago. A bunch of kids who are sort of bound to these, you know, mech robots who protect Earth from alien invasion. That's basically the premise, and that's basically what happened here, and I enjoyed it. It was fun. It's a little on the all-ages scale, a little lower than some of the other stuff we read, but uh-huh. I love Takeshi Miyazawa's art and Greg Pak writes fun characters and yes. action. I think the first issue of the original was Pick of the Week. Huh. Ron and I really enjoyed that book. I have the vaguest recollection. Of I think it. it was like
0: 2015,
1: yeah. I want to say, yeah. which would have been eight years ago. Oh, mama.
0: I looked at this one and I saw Greg Pak. I was like, okay, that's all right. And then I saw it was some tie-in and that was as far as I went. And I was like, nah, it's a video game tie-in. Yeah, it's
1: not a tie-in. It's, yeah, it's- I know.
0: Well, I'm not saying a, I'm I right. Guess
1: it is Italian technically. So this was, You t- was 2017. Oh boy. that's a long time <laughs> ago. So anyway, this was fun. If you enjoyed the first one, I'm sure you'll enjoy this one as well. But you know, it's here because of the cartoon.
0: Superman
1: 2023 takes. annual. Did you read this? Josh Williamson wrote it?
0: Yes. Yes, I did. I thought this was fun. This was another oversized comic. It's really funny because you said that and I was like, yes, I did read it. And I was like, Josh, you don't remember a single thing about it, do you? <laughs> so now I'm going to look at it. It will come back to me as soon this as This was I do a story that
1: is it's led by Lois. She's currently interim editor-in-chief and she realizes the paper's getting stale. So she calls all right. of her lead writers into her office and we get introduced to all of them what their beats are. You know, this writer does crime, this writer does fashion, this writer does gossip, this writer does sports. And she basically mixes them all up and says, okay, Steve Lombard, the sports writer, you're going to go to the prison and interview this person. Okay, Gossip Queen, you're going to go do... like So she, she basically switches all their beats up, which is a fun little thing. And we follow them around on some of the more you know important ones. And I thought it was a fun little nice... Annuals are so weird. Mm-hmm. They don't serve a
0: purpose anymore. But... You know what? You know, tell a side story. That's fine. I think that I actually had a thought about the annuals here is that the Superman annual that was here... I thought, oh, this is just like a thing. It's it sort of can exist on its own, and it it's got it's a great sort of bunch of artists doing a thing. It was right. a funny story. Also, I've never been so creeped out by Parasite in my life.
1: Yeah, I don't. I know. I know. I know. I re- listen.
0: I can hear everyone rolling their heads already. I like the old Parasite better. Listen, I'm I'm not complaining about it. Like it worked. I was like, like having him work at the place and have like a shirt on and look completely terrifying, and then succor the the. <laughs> <laughs> the gives, is it give suck or to? It's not, it's not a, that's not a verb, right? You give suck or <laughs> to. Yeah. To the tiny sort of uh, offshoot of himself. You know, like it was funny and creepy and I was down for it and it was great. I thought, what's his name? The Not Steve Trevor, the, 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 Steve Lombard. Guy? Steve Lombard. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> he should be around more just being a lunk. He is a relic of the past and he loves it. And I'm fine with it. It's fun a little bit, you know, sort of here and there. But what I was noticing is, so these were like, this was like kind of an outside story. And then I noticed that over in the Spider-Man annual, Mm -hmm. it seems like there's going to be a story that's going through all the Marvel annuals. And I thought, oh, that's how it used to be. I don't want to read this, but I'm glad they're doing it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I like this one. I mean, this one, I think I picked up because it said like, you know, sowing the seeds for the next year of Superman. So I, you know, Mm -hmm. so we get a tease about Lobo, which... And then we, we get a thing with Brainiac involved with Lobo. And then there's a bit with, you know, Mercy and Parasite. So I there was enough here that was tied in. And there's also this character who was this Knight Rider character, this black mm-hmm. woman who was uh, also a savior of Metropolis. And she's getting her own miniseries. Whatever.
0: Let it rip. Yeah. No,
1: so I'm just saying this was like they weaved in stuff they're going to be playing with later on. And right. it was fine. I enjoyed it.
0: That's an annual. That seems that's about right. It's better than a stupid zero issue. I don't think we do those anymore number two, I just I wanted to, it was the pick of the week last time I was around, sure. and I feel like that was two weeks ago.
1: Or, I do feel like that, and this is well because the books already out, so right. they can just no, pump them and, out,
0: which is fine. the uh, Point being, I I love this. I didn't want it to end. I knew it was going to be long going in, and and I was I was wrapped.
1: I, I was, think it's interesting the way they're doing it. Is are it was clearly six issues on comicsology, and they're mm-hmm. they're putting out two at a time. So the, the next issue is the final one, issue three. It's fine. And it's, inter- it's just interesting like, the way it, they're doing it. Instead of spreading it out, they're, they're condensing
0: it. But yeah. it gives you a big, maybe,
1: meaty story, though.
0: I mean, maybe they're spending less on, like, they're not giving them a page rate or whatever. So they can sort of change the economics around a little bit. And I, I like, like, as a format, it's, it's, you know, it's sort of golden age format. It's just, like, yeah. two big stories and an issue. And, and either way, like, I, I was even more impressed by it than the last one, just in the way it, it looked and read. It's, it's wonderful work.
1: Yeah, it, we got insight into the main character's psyche. We know now that it's not a supernatural thing. We yeah. see, he sees this electricity creature. It's this PTSD thing. Like I thought, it was all very well done. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, there was only I thought there was a couple of things that got that got tripped up on the art in terms of storytelling. Like there, they have the shootout in the restaurant. And apparently, the
0: shootout caused the cooking yeah, oil to explode I, I to and kill everybody. That. And that was not shown at all on the page. It kind of was, like, and they they but they they. It seemed like when they were narrating of it, they spoke about it as a hypothetical, but it was actually the thing that happened. I had to go back and look, and I was like, okay, that's that's what you're saying happened.
1: They should you know, have, in, in, in the next page when they're running to the plane to escape, the guy and the girl, Gary Cooper and Hedy Lamarr, we should see the fire. We should see what yes. they're looking at. That was my only really complaint. I feel like,
0: I don't know. I, yeah, I don't disagree with you, but I, I feel like this must have been a choice for a reason. I, I don't know that I know what it is, which you know, again doesn't make it the right choice, but I thought it was interesting. Yeah, I don't
1: know. Yeah, I really enjoyed it though. I saw last week you guys talked about X-Men. So this week I saw Mortal X-Men 14 was out and I had read it in the very beginning, got kind of really bored with it, because it was focusing on all the characters I didn't care about, like the the guy who's not Mr. Sinister but looks like Mr. Sinister and Orcus. All the characters end up being important for the X-Men thing. So I thought, okay, I'll jump back on as the post you know, big of X-Men event. I thought it was really fun. Is Kieran Gillen and Lucas Warnick on art. And this was all about the fallout of the attack on the X-Men, focusing a lot on Black Tom Cassidy and Professor Xavier. We learned that all those X-Men that went through the gate weren't spaced. They were sent to some desert somewhere in space and time. We don't know where they are, but they're all stranded in the desert. I think that's a mistake. I think the really ballsy thing is to kill off all of them. And really, no, really grind the X Men down to a recognizable core. Like, if I was in charge, the only X Men still alive would be the ones that anyone who's ever read an X Men comic would know who they were. Mm -hmm. Maybe a handful of new ones, but anyone who read a comic in the 80s when the X Men were the hottest thing in in the world would know who they were looking at. That's what I would do, but I'm not in charge. But this was good. This was also fun. I'm really, I mean, listen, they did a really interesting and fun thing with the X Men, and I'm into it for now.
0: I agree. I didn't read this because I kind of looked at it and I was like, I don't know what this is. I was you again, didn't need to, but it was fun. If you liked this, right? I think it was the thing where like, I am just looking for the characters I know because that is really the way that I get in, I guess. Cause there's too many, I don't care. I don't have no connect. I have no connection to the dozens of other characters and it's not that they're bad. It's just that who's got time, you know, to sort of spend a lot of time trying to learn about characters you don't know or care Tear about. them down. Yeah. Well, that's what Orcas is trying to do. I know I'm, I'm on Orcus's side. Swan Songs, number two. Yeah, so this is W. Maxwell Prince. Mm -hmm. It's another anthology miniseries based on the theme, uh, whereas the ha-ha was based on clown themes. This is based upon the idea of endings can be of anything. This one was about the end of a relationship, and it was a ridiculous short story concept based on the fact that this couple divorced, and the terms of divorce was that they had to fight each other, Mortal Kombat style for eternity every day
1: and throughout time. And like there's the yes. samurai in one, they're like knights. in another, they're Jack Kirby superheroes in another one.
0: And I thought that this was delightful. It was very because good. It, yeah. I mean, like it spent, it seemed kind of ridiculous, but then it would spend a lot of time talking to you about relationships and how it forms in the beginning. Like, like I don't know this guy, but I was like, I feel like he's working something out here. Well, maybe you never know. But I mean they're pretty know, universal.
1: It's how you get together in the beginning. It's exactly. all exciting and fun and sex and and then either then, way, then, if you've
0: been through it, you think about it and right. he's he's illustrating this in a way that I have never seen. You know, and, the, and there's a little bit in the end where they do care about each other, like they hate each other, then they do care about each other a little bit. It was great. I know the rest of the series is gonna be super fun. Even if everything isn't perfect or doesn't succeed, it's gonna be interesting and it's gonna be well done.
1: Yeah, I thought this was good. I thought this was very good. Absolutely. So those are the books we wanted to talk about, but at patreon.com slash ifanboy. fanboy, all of the patrons of the show get to vote to add a book to the rundown. And this week, by a two to one margin over the second place book, the infield gang Massacre number one, as Josh said, was the patron pick. So we've already talked about it. Ratings,
0: Josh, ratings on the Infield Gang Massacre. It would have been my pick of the week. When yep. I finished it, I was like, This is this is my pick of the week. Four and a half. It's tough because
1: like, I want to say four and a half, but I also want to stick to my guns about to the pick of the week being a five-star book. So I have hoisted myself in my own petard.
0: Yeah, it's it's a, it's a ridiculous.
1: See, when you live by the code, you got to die by the code. Uh-huh. So five stars.
0: It's a four and a half-star book.
1: Sticking with it? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. No question.
1: Of course we are. Patreon.com slash ifanboy. Any patron of vote for the book the rundown, but at the $5 or higher level, you get a superpower live on the show. Like, James Darling, he can pick up any object, Josh, regardless object. of its weight, heft, mass, mm-hmm. and throw it as if it's a baseball. Oh. The perfect size and weight to throw. Right. So, like, for instance, if he was walking and there was a leaf on the ground, he could pick up that leaf and toss it as if it were a baseball. Hmm. You know, not, in real life, you toss a leaf, it probably spins about two feet in front of you lands right back where you picked it up from.
0: Does he have any skill as a fielder, for example? Well, he doesn't need to feel the leaf. He just needs to throw no, I, leaf. I, I get it. But like, does he throw like me? <laughs> or perhaps a person who played baseball for some time? Right. He throws yeah. well. Okay. He throws I, he's well. Not, he's not a pro, but he could play like at the office softball league. He'd sure. Be fine. Yeah, absolutely. And he
1: could be throwing a Sharpie like that or, mm-hmm. you know, a piece of foam. Anything. It doesn't matter what the weight of the object is.
0: Have you thought of practical applications for this, either day-to-day life or crime fighting? I've got this tree
1: in the backyard. I'm listening. It's a neighbor's tree. It's on the other Uh side of the fence. And it's constantly dropping leaves on my side. And I'm constantly tossing them back over the fence. Don't tell anybody that. (laughs) Back to your home. It's not yours. I wish I could just toss them over the fence like a baseball. I'm Uh I'm constantly trying to throw them and they're constantly blowing back in the wind. So he could clean up real well.
0: But wouldn't it be a lot harder to throw the leaves over if you, you the, each one?
1: No, not at all. He throws the object. It's not like the object itself changes weight. But when he throws it, it moves with the
0: with the mass of a baseball. So then does it hit something with the mass of a baseball? So say that okay, say for example, no now I can I can throw a window doesn't. at a, I can throw a baseball at a window, but if I throw that leaf at the window, it would hit it, with right, the weight it won't of break the, leaf. the window. Okay.
1: It'll only move like it's a baseball, but but it still retains. It's magic, Josh. It doesn't make sense.
0: Wait, wait, we're calling this magic? It's magic. This isn't a mutant power or sort of meta. It's magic. Fucking A. It's magic. All right. James, your magic. James, magic, darling.
1: Mm-hmm. Thanks for being a patron. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. You can sign up today for $5 a hire and you can get your own superpower live on the show. What else can they do, Josh?
0: Well, folks, they can directly support the show by going to patreon.com slash iFanboy. You would. They did unlock shows for everybody. Are there other shows that could be unlocked? No, and it, technically
1: speaking, we got rid of that feature. So technically speaking, yeah. we shouldn't be doing any of those other shows, but we like okay. them, so we keep
0: doing them. Yeah, that's true. We just, yeah, we're doing because we like them. But, but to be fair... <laughs> to Say goodbye I to me painting miniatures live on the internet, because that's yeah. gone. I don't owe you anything, nope. is what you're saying. I owe you nothing. That's helpful. Like, just because they reached that level once doesn't mean that I have to do it for the rest of my life. <laughs> I mean, I bet isn't it? it yeah, kind of. <laughs> there's tier exclusive merch depending on your level of support after three months you'll receive a junior jamoke t-shirt or tote bag or hoodie by the way
1: those are started to arrive nice for people who signed up immediately so we had some people on months. discord post some photos right so if you signed up early you should be getting your your merch. It's the
0: item at your level it right. is not it's not a collection of items up to no someone did ask level.
1: we don't if you sign up for the t-shirt level you don't get all the items up to t-shirt you just get the t-shirt if you want the yeah. other items you got to change your level to those levels
0: can you buy the eye? I- no, you can't. No, it's only, you can't buy it. That's speaker. interesting. It could be somebody could really yoke the numbers up and down trying to get catch them all. Like a like Pokemon. Like, like a poker man. That's what I say to bother my kids. I go, yeah, it's that poker man. Oh my God, you're such a dad. I am. I've been at this for over a decade. Anyway, there's a $5 higher level. You get the patron power, which is uh, there's a lot of those. You got uh, access to the Discord server at the $10 level. You get the ad-free feed of this show. Uh, which is the thing I forgot I had to do anything about, but it got taken care of. Find out more details at patreon.com slash ifanboy. Keep going. com. there is our shirt, ifanboy Pride. Half of all those proceeds go to the It Gets Predator product. How many months after Pride should we mention this, but if it's still doing good, should we keep mentioning it? These are rhetorical questions because I just mentioned it. There are 13 total designs you can put on T-shirts and more quality CCS skateboard decks. Sure. Uh, And you want to pay attention to the width because if you're a heavier gent or bigger feet, you want a wider board. The small one's going to feel a little squirrely is what I'm saying. Have you started wearing New Balance shoes yet? I think that you know that that is not the case, (laughs) sir. Although my sneaker friend, the way he got me talking about sneakers and therefore Uh buying sneakers is that we would constantly make jokes about seeing like people like dudes in those white New Balance. It was a thing.
1: Listen, they're comfortable. I'm not going to knock that. I
0: own a pair for the gym, but. There's different kinds of new balance. There's a specific one. That's the dad one. And then. It's the, the mom jeans of the yes. dad. It's the, I've given up. He didn't give up. He never cared. He's like, good. This is the right thing now. And there's, re- there's a quiet dignity about that. Okay. You respect it. I do. There's also the Nike Monarch, which is the Nike equivalent of it, which is ironically somewhat popular with hip young kids. Of course it is. Of course it is. You can go to slash Urban Dad Core. Yeah, exactly. There's links to buy the books in the Books Blood and other places where there's books. Uh, we uh, have a partnership with uh, bookshop.org. There will be links where available. And that, what that does is it makes sure that you're ordering your books from local bookstores so you can help support them no matter where you are.
1: Hey, we have some time. Yeah? I think. I don't know. We, we fucked around so much. I this The clock is
0: off. Really looks like we have time, though. I think we do. We've we got all of it up.
1: Emails. I just scrolled away from the emails. Why did I do that? Here we go. Aaron B. Aaron B. in the audience question says, The other day I was feeling a bit crabby about my comic reading of late. I'm 40, if that explains it. And I got to thinking about our comic ages. Not the traditionally defined golden age or silver age, but your specific individual golden or silver age. For instance, I feel like I can break my comics reading into distinct eras. My golden age starts when I read my first comic in 1991, Avengers Spotlight 22 featuring the late Clint Barton. And extends for six pivotal years when I learned what comics were, read anything I could get my hands on, mostly cast off from my older brother, and especially in love with Silver Edge reprints and comics based on the animated shows, especially Mike Parabeck's Batman. It ends in 1997 when Grant Morrison's JLA came out and my reading totally changed. So, do you have distinct eras in your comic reading? Can you define the end of your personal golden age? It doesn't even have to be that nomenclature necessarily. That's just dork shorthand, I guess. First of all, it is Dork Shorthand, and we will be using it.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm gonna leg up on you, Josh, because I, I know this email is coming, so I have I have an answer for this, but if you wanna
0: go with I mean, mine's very easy, actually, because my comic reading was segmented. I started reading comics around the time that I was eleven or twelve. I read them for I don't know, like I f I wanna say it felt like, like two or three years, but I think it may have been less. Mm. But as I am wont to do, so your golden age is it- short. Yeah, but it's very specific. It's basically everything from the beginning or a little ways into the McFarlane Spider-Man era to the beginning of Image. I was out by the time Image went. Okay,
1: so you're like nine. You're like late eighties to early nineties.
0: Eighty-eight to ninety, more or less. When did Image start? Ninety-three. In that, I mean, basically, I was there when Jim Lee. I have Jim Lee's first issue of the Uncanny X-Men. I bought ninety-two. It. Just, so you you went to ninety-two. Okay, ish. I guess it was a little longer, but like I, I dove in full. Like right. I have a bunch of trades that I, you know, like I was like, okay, we're going to read Dark Knight Returns, we're going to have Watchmen, we're going to go and, and get like a, a bunch of you know things and try to understand it and go backwards. Like I knew that stuff, so when I came back to comics, I really just missed the image boom and crash. Which I mean, you missed some, you missed some good things in there too. But yes, you did. miss Yes, all that. but largely, that's fine. You also came
1: back via Grant Morrison's JLA.
0: Yeah.
1: So you really skipped five years. You pieced
0: out in 92 and you came back around 90. Well, you really came back around 98, I think. I think by the time I got to high school, I I feel like I was out about six years. That X-Men, no, I'm saying uncanny X-Men. It's the first Jubilee. Mm. X-Men, I want to say 244. That's when you started? That's probably nearest the end. Near the end? Near the end of my time reading.
1: X-Men, wow. First of all, would anyone have guessed that you would have pulled Jubilee's first appearance exactly out of your head? You were exactly right, two forty four. Huh? That was incredible. I'm impressed. Thank you. Thank you. That was nineteen eighty nine. And that was Mark Silvestri, not Jim Lee. Incredible, Josh. Thank you. You would have given Ron a heart attack. We would have had to deal with the death on the show. (laughs)
0: So, yeah, 89 and 90, I was doing, uh, you know, John Byrne. I was very aware who John Byrne was. West Coast Avengers, Avengers. Uh, I'm trying to think of who was on Avengers at the time. I re- I, but I read all of the main Marvel series uh, for and sure.
1: that was, what, Roger Stern and John Bishima
0: of the Avengers? Oof, I don't know if it was Bishima at the time. I remember um, or Captain Or Sal Bishima. Sal Bishima. There you go. Yep. Captain America was one of my favorite at the time. That was Grunwald and, and Kieran Dwyer. Yep. I love, I still love Karen Dwyer's art. It's funny because all the art that I loved then, I really still like now. There's there's certain stylistic things that I'm still into. John Romita Jr. was on Thor. Yeah. I mean, so it's really easy for me to say that's my golden age. That's where I was formed. And so then your silver
1: age is 97-ish to what? Uh, 2000?
0: I mean, basically, I would say when the architects thing became a thing, like so, that's four, five. So it's like almost like around the time of not Secret Invasion, but like Civil War. I feel like what, that three, is my four. Silver Age. Hmm. You know, because that's kind of I don't know. I mean, is it from the time that we started doing the podcast?
1: Podcast two thousand five.
0: Yeah, was I mean, like, it's like mid Civil you know, War two thousand
1: six. A... Mm-hmm. So, are you saying about ten years, almost? So 10 years? If you
0: think about the beginning of of that period when we started reading, was when you started to meet Bendis and Brubaker and rucka and a little later aaron kirkman that's my silver age mm. i came of age with those creators in my comic book reading and there that you know and then sort of as that next group of people starts to come in your remenders your kieran gillen folks like that some of have, have come and gone i feel like that's when it sort of got into what my modern age is Right. I don't know. I feel like there's maybe four ages. Go ahead. Yeah, there can be as many. I mean, there, there was gold,
1: silver, bronze, modern. So you could have, you know. You maybe that's it.
0: my. Yeah, maybe that was my bronze.
1: We really have never established anything beyond 86. We have stopped naming ages in 86. Yeah. So.
0: Well, there's been a bunch in our time as I fanboy. I think, you know, like the not the early one, but the second one, the creative image boom. Mm-hmm. And then the post, you know, post MCU, basically big change happens in comics, I think. The down to 20 pages, yeah. synergy. 2010-ish. Yeah.
1: Mine are more expansive, I think. And it's based more on my experience reading comics. So my golden age starts, I'm going to guess, and around 1980. I don't have a date because I just always had comics around. So I'm just going to pick a year, say 1980. Mm-hmm. And it goes until 1991. So in that period of time, I was just reading comics. Like they were there. I had them in my house. and I read them over and over. Occasionally, my dad would take me to the comic store and I'd buy some new ones. I would buy them at the various newsstands around New York City. At some point in there, I got the Dark Knight Returns trade, even though I was way too young. I read that a thousand times. That was more like mm-hmm. comics is a casual thing I loved. I read them all the time. I read them until late at night in the summer times, but they were not something I sought out. It was not like a subculture I was entered into. It was not the basis of your identity. They were just there. Like I'll didn't uh, look by the. All right, I'll explain the Silver Age. That'll make, the difference will make sense. I think I understand. 91 was the first year me and my buddy Patrick went to West Side Comics on 86th Street between Amsterdam and Columbus and started a pull list. And I started going to the store every week. And that was the year I started reading comics new as they came out. So instead of mm-hmm. reading random comics that I had in my mm-hmm. box at home, and my box, I mean, a, a big gray box, I mean, like, That's
0: interesting, because that means that I was ahead of you.
1: Right, so this I was just reading, and I would occasionally buy them, but I wasn't going to the store to follow the storylines. I was just reading random books. Huh. In '91, it changes to now. I'm going every week. Now I'm following specific comics. Now I'm following specific stories as opposed to just random back issues I was buying.
0: So did you have to go back in time to read the Giffen de Mateus Justice League because that was during my time?
1: If you know, if you go back to Watch the Old Video Show, we talked about our first comics, mm-hmm. and I talked about those. I bought issues four and five was it, five and six? Five and six? On a road hmm. trip at a seven eleven. And I read those two for over and over and over again until I started. Did that include the punch? That was the punch, yeah. It was the right. that was the cover. The cover was Holding Guy Back, was the first one. And then I bought the, I the, the next one, and I bought that next one.
0: That's a great cover. Oh yeah. That's not a great cover retro-y. That's just a great cover. It sticks with you.
1: As I got older and had allowance money or odd job money, then I would start going and filling in the, the run on those. <laughs> but also 91. Wait, wait,
0: wait. You were a Bond villain for hire? You got odd job money? (laughs) Odd job money, yeah.
1: I threw my bowler at people. Sure. I remember specifically because when we had the pull list, you had to put the titles you wanted to collect and I had the Justice League books on there. So going forward is whenever 91 is whenever I started reading those month to month, but then I would go as I could fill in the back issues from their store. So it goes 80 to 91 is golden age. 91, and I'm going to go until 2000 for my silver age. So that's when I have now comics is a thing that I'm actively doing. Where before it was a passive hobby, mm-hmm. now it's an active. I'm going to the store every week, and I, st- I have, you know, ninety one of this. I start reading comics weekly. I haven't stopped.
0: I know you have one comic book friend. Did you have other comics? Did you have? Oh a yeah, group? Every,
1: everyone I was friends with in elementary school, junior high school, read comics. Okay, to some extent, uh-huh. watched GI Joe, read comics, read Mad, read Cracked. Right, we all were in the same, into the same stuff. Watched Star Trek.
0: I have to add one little thing I was thinking about it. Now, when I said the image boom, you said that's 93. Mm -hmm. In my mind... 92. The image boom really starts with X-Men 1 and Spider-Man 1.
1: That's 91, isn't it?
0: Yeah, exactly. So that's when I was out because I just missed that. But to me, that's what sets up image is that these guys sell 3 million copies a piece and they go, well, what the fuck? So that is the beginning of it to me.
1: God, I remember being on vacation when X-Men number one came out and having to... Actually, my friend Patrick, we had to pull us. He was with us. I'm we having to beg my mom to drive us around to find a comic store
0: because we had to get it. So you just randomly drove around to find a comic store. Yeah,
1: there was no internet back then. It was like we had to know, look in the was phone there book. A phone book. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. All right. So it goes eighty to ninety one, ninety one to two thousand. Two thousand is the year. Go to San Diego Comic Con. Well, I, I went two thousand one is the year. I went to Comic San Diego Comic Con. You had gone in two thousand. Suddenly. I mean, at that point, I'd been reading Sin City. I'd been reading some some other books, Hellboy. But that's where my world sort of opened up into mm-hmm. powers and planetary and preacher, books that weren't superheroes, books that weren't, and I'd, again, been reading some of those. But really, that's when my, the whole sort of possibility opened up to me. And then we started I mm-hmm. Fanboy the next year. So, like, it goes passively reading comics, actively reading comics, and then sort of Seeing the wider world of comics and then starting iFanboys because of it is what was my three errors of comic
0: reading. Yeah.
1: And I could break down further beyond that. But really, it's sort of I, you know an emotional thing. That's how I look at it.
0: I could say that the preamble to my Silver Age, if I start Silver Age at when I discover Hellblazer at Golden Apple Comics in hmm. Los Angeles, hmm. that went, oh, what's this Vertigo thing? Mm. that was a big deal to me. So like, all the other little stuff was, me, was leading up to that. I remember you know, I was reading, you know, uh, Graham Morris' Justice League and, and, and uh, you know, Jeff Johnson's Flash or maybe it was Mark Miller, you know, like that kind of stuff was in there. But like finding Hellblazer, you yeah. know, finding all, the, the, all that stuff, that was really a jumpstarting well, time. I mean,
1: you came back from Comic-Con in 2000. You were like, here's a list yes. of books you
0: need to read. Yeah, that was a transformational moment.
1: I guess it was going to panels. I don't know how you found them all, but you were like, "Go find Powers, go find Planetary." Like you were like, you had all these books that were coming out at the time. So you add that to the fact that I, rem- I remember distinctly in 2000, reading Preacher. Uh, my coworker had all the all the volumes, and I borrowed them, and that was a seminal moment. Yeah. Even though I, you know, again, had read From Hell, I'd read uh, lots of books that weren't superheroes, but it just it was all happening at the same time, and we were all out of college. We were 22. The world was sort of in front of us, and the comics world opened up in front of us. It was a lot happening, and that's where everything sort of changed.
0: We had, quote-unquote, disposable income. <laughs> God, how did I have a disposable income? I was poor as shit, but I didn't know it. <laughs> I
1: like, Great I my question, comics. Aaron B. Yeah.
0: Great question. I hope that that wasn't us just going on too long, and you were sort of telling your own story in your head. And, you know, feel free. Come to the Discord. Go to the, go to the Facebook group. Or go to Instagram and put your story in. Yeah, totally. If you I think want everyone's going to gonna be
1: different. Facebook. Everyone's going to be interesting, you know? I agree. There's no right or That's wrong answer cool. here. All right, we're going to skip a question too because we went on a lot longer than that than I thought we would. Hmm. Contact at fanboy.com is how you can write in. Like Aaron B, you can get your email on the show. Great email. Love it. We had a lot of great emails this week, so we're going to try to get you all in soon. You can also write in for our Media MediaSplode show. Media Splode it should go in the subject line, so we know it's for that show. We will also read those. You talked about last week how we we do our summer mailbag we do our year-end mailbag, but occasionally we'll do one or two emails if we're running short on the show, so
0: hmm. you never know. Imagine us running short.
1: I know. That's happened in a long time. Two weeks ago, we had our Media explode show. We reviewed Oppenheimer and did the aforementioned Summer Mailbag. Josh, our buddy Hank, friend of the show who the patrons know from the Hangouts, he hmm. had to wait two and a half weeks to see Oppenheimer because of the tickets sell out here. He sat down in the theater and the only true IMAX screen in Cal- LA County and that uh, City Walk. And in three minutes into the movie, the projector broke.
0: And so. <laughs> The parking fees for City Walks oh, back in 2000 were terrible.
1: So, yeah, it's, it's pretty terrible. But his, the projector broke three minutes into the show. And That's so, awful.
0: it's awful, but also very funny for us.
1: It was very funny. He was telling me, he was like, Oh, uh, it, there was no sound. I thought oh, that was an interesting creative choice he's making. I and mean, then it was like, People are talking and there's no sound. And uh. how soon did you know? Like, was he on the way back to the car? Was it a day later? Oh, well, I was meeting him that evening. And he uh-huh. text, he texted me and because my picking him up was going to depend on when he got out of the movie and he texted me early and said hey the movie broke you know you, you can pick me up whenever so Fuck. yeah
0: yeah so he still it, hasn't seen it no
1: he's got like, two more weeks so this coming week <laughs> Justice League War World we're gonna have the animated brand trust review that animated film so you can look forward to that in a few days and then next week fingers crossed Josh we'll have a talk plug for you yeah we're 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 all scheduled we're booked you know what it may mm-hmm. be swapped. The Justice League World and Talks Blood, they may swap weeks. You're going to get one of those shows one week and one of the other weeks, so we'll see what, how it actually ends up going.
0: All good. It's all fine. We didn't set that in stone yet. You can find our entire library of over 1,300 shows and counting at ifanboy.com, wherever podcasts are sold. We should check this at some point and find out we didn't go past 1,400, because they're coming in hot and heavy. That's what I know. So follow us at ifanboy.comics. Nope. Follow oh. us at, at iFanboy Whoa. 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 I just realized what I said, and I was like, "That's crazy that my brain did that." Follow us at @ifanboycomics on Instagram to find out what the pick of the week is what? before the show comes out, and sometimes for the best of the week in panels, you can follow us individually uh, at C.L. Kilpatrick on Instagram and at J. Flanagan on Instagram. Yeah,
1: we haven't passed thirteen hundred yet, so you're safe. Yeah, that's unless it. I mean we don't count the don't misses and the ones that make comics that aren't there, but
0: yeah, the ones that are that's on true. our
1: feed currently. We're not above mm-hmm. 1,400 yet. Uh, where are we in the script? All right. If you like the show, consider subscribing to YouTube.com slash That's where we, we have posted all of our old video shows. And we are going to be posting this show every week. We have been. We're still doing it. We, we continue will. to do it. Yeah. So that's all there. Like and subscribe. Smash the button. Uh, the oh. bell is the thing that happens that does something. I don't know what else happens on YouTube, but the show's there. So check it out, and consider leaving a survey on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast That helps people find the show. Helps people the algorithm, the algorithm that we all will bow down to—the AI algorithm. I've been calling them Algo lately.
0: Algo. Here's what I would like, though: mm-hmm. if about a hundred times more of you could watch those shows, <laughs> maybe you you do a script or something, right? So that so that we can get in some of this land rush before it all crashes.
1: Yeah, I was oh, talking to somebody good. about our history, and I was like, we're five years too early for everything we did. Yep. So, anyway, that was fun. I enjoyed that. I missed the show last week. I enjoyed listening I to you. I missed you. And we'll be back next week. I'll still be here.
0: Hopefully, Josh I mean, doesn't wash away. I don't I don't think it's going to happen. No, we're fine, please. your Where you live will be destroyed far before mine. Well,
1: you know, <laughs> things happen. What if it's locusts? fair.
0: Land sharks, that's the thing.
1: Yeah, I'm Connor. I'm Josh Pike.
0: Sugar man, met a false friend, on a lonely, dusty road. Lost my heart
1: when I found it, it had turned to
0: dead black coal, Silver